Well, if you would stand with me as we look together into God's Word this morning, Joshua chapter 2, and I want us to read together just the four verses, 8 through 11 this morning. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Hopefully yours will sound something like that. If not, look on the screens and it's up there as well. This is what God says. Before the men fell asleep, she went up on the roof, that was Rahab, and said to them, I know that the Lord, the Lord, has given you this land, and that terror of you has fallen on us. And everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. And she's talking to the two spies there at her home. Verse 10, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before when you came out of Egypt. Now look this way just for a moment. That was 40 years ago at that moment. So Rahab is, is, has heard about something that happened 40 years ago. Now think about it. In 1981, just 40 years ago, can you recall something that, that rocked the world? I mean, with, with detail. And you don't have to shout out, but just think about that. And it, it takes a little bit to say, oh, gosh, i got to think about it a little bit. But she had heard something 40 years ago that happened. And it was clear across the Sinai Desert. Now, from what I know, it takes a day's journey on a bus to get from where they were to where this happened. So that was a long way and a long time ago. But yet here she is, the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before when you came out of Egypt. She knew those things. And what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings, you completely destroyed across the Jordan. Verse 11, when we heard this, we lost heart and everyone's courage failed because of you, for the Lord your God is God in heaven, above and on earth below. Father, I pray now, from this moment forward, that you mute the things that have origin within me, and God, amplify the things that have origin in heaven above. Father, may we hear your word, and Lord, Lord, not only hear it, receive it, and then, Father, as you work in our lives, apply it. And this for the glory of our King, the lover of our souls, the Redeemer of our souls, our Lord Jesus Christ, in his name we pray, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated I was recently listening to some podcasts and different things and came across something that uh, applied as an illustration to what is happening here in our text. It was a man, he was described growing up in a church some 50 years ago, and this is what he said, quote, I was reared in a very religious subculture and attended a very pietistic church. In reality, my church was legalistic which is not true biblical piety at all. But I did not know that then. In fact, I was controlled by spiritual pride at that time and couldn't recognize the difference. Somehow, listen to this, somehow, he says, somehow I felt my religious background and heritage gave me a special claim to God's grace and love. In short, I felt I was better than other people who did not attend church, and specifically my church. 
One day, I suddenly awakened to the fact that there were other Christians outside of my particular circle of friends who were far more spiritual than I was. Though some of them had not had as much religious training as I, their faith was much stronger and more dynamic. And he ends this by saying, they were more faithful in living up to the light they had. Now that man had an encounter with people who possessed a fearless faith. And that brings us back to our text this morning. The account of someone who demonstrated fearless but surprising faith. It's what Joshua and the children of Israel discovered about Rahab, the prostitute. Now Rahab, here we're seeing, is the first recorded Canaanite to believe in Jehovah. She was the polar opposite of Joshua. Joshua was born to Israelite parents. He witnessed witnessed the plagues in Egypt. He miraculously crossed the Red Sea, of which Rahab talked about. He ate manna from heaven. He saw the Shekinah glory of God as Moses descended the mount. Rahab, on the other hand, grew up and lived in a totally pagan and idolatrous culture. But when she heard about the God of Israel, she responded in fearless faith. And if I had the title of the message today, and you'll see that on your outline, an encounter with fearless faith. In certain respects, Rahab was more responsive spiritually than some of the Israelites. The Lord honored her faith. What may be a surprise to some, he honored it so much that she is included in the Old Testament hall of faith in the New Testament. Now, no woman in all the pages of Scripture stands out as great as an example of faith and God's redeeming grace more than Rahab. She's mentioned by the author of Hebrews in the same company as greats as Noah, Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, all of who were commended for their faith. Hebrews 11.31 says this, By faith Rahab the prostitute received the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. Now, she's called this throughout Scripture, Rahab the prostitute. Now, I'm not not wanting to get ahead of myself, but I want you to understand it doesn't necessarily mean that she was still practicing her craft at the time that we're reading the story. But yet, that's what she was. You might want to say uh, David the adulterer, the greatest king that Israel has ever known, but he was an adulterer. Did you know David was an adulterer till the day he died? But when he was living, he was a forgiven, an adulterer. That's the difference. That's the first takeaway. That's not even in your outline. Sometimes I think because of maybe our heritage in church, Tim, I think sometimes we tend to have certain amnesia-type qualities, forgetting maybe where we came from, that I was born a sinner. And if I am saved, it's by grace. 
So it would do well not to say, you know what, I need to woe is me and put on ash cloth. But we need to remind ourselves, that is who I am. Parenthetically, that is who I am. Then with an exclamation point after that, I am forgiven of that. You, you tracking with me? So with this, it's Rahab the prostitute, David the adulterer, Chuck the sinner. I am that and will be that until the day that Christ comes back or he, or he calls me home. But in that process of sanctification, I am a forgiven sinner. Okay, so we're all on the same level playing ground right now. Okay, we're all there. So picking back up. So she received the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. Now, how did a prostitute find her way into the Old Testament hall of faith? Fearless faith is the answer. That's how we find her there. Rahab lived in Jericho. It was idolatrous, an immoral Canaanite city. But in the, in the midst of this den of iniquity, she came to know the one true God and became a wonderful example of the truth that anyone, Anyone can have fearless faith. We don't have to say, oh gosh, I wish Billy Graham was still around. That man of fearless faith. I wish that I had the faith of Raven, uh, Ravenhill. I wish the faith, I had the faith of Ironside. I wish I had the faith of Billy Sunday. I wish I had the faith of any of the biblical authors. No, anyone today in 2021. Nay, I say we must in 2021. Every one of us, any one of us, can have fearless faith. So with that, I believe our passage this morning has many things that we can understand and glean from for just our purposes. I want to share with you three things the Lord impressed on my heart, three requirements for developing fearless faith. Number one, trust God during frightening times. Trust God during frightening times. Now, as Rahab's story begins here in verse... And by the way, chapter, the whole book of Joshua is just an incredible book of learning about things. And remember, I, I shared with you a few weeks ago when we were in chapter 1, it was fearless living. And now we're getting at how to develop fearless faith. Well, chapter 2, uh, the whole chapter by itself, God is, is, it uses it for Rahab and for us to learn about her. So as her story begins here, Joshua secretly sends out two spies. Look in verse 1 of chapter 2. Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two men as spies from the Acacia Grove. I'm saying, why secretly? I mean, the, we've already know it, and because we've read ahead, she knew what, they were there. So why secretly? Well, when Moses sent out the 12, you recall, including Joshua and Caleb, their report to the entire camp calls the people what? To fear. Not have fearless, but they had fearful faith. Numbers chapter 13, you don't have to turn there, but listen to what the Bible says. So they gave, that being the spies then, so they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land they had scouted. The land we pass through, they're telling the leadership there, the land we pass through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are men of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. 
Listen to what they said. To ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers, and we must have seemed the same to them. Now listen, this is fearful faith. Here's another takeaway. Just add this under the line. Listen, we must, in order to have fearful faith, we must see ourselves as God sees us. Do you think that God says, well, you're a grasshopper. I'm going to send you to this land. No, I'm going to move through you because I live in you. That's why you will conquer this land. I believe, Tim, sometimes we tend to forget what we're created like. Now, listen, I'm not saying we should embrace arrogance and have this spiritual self-righteousness about us. But listen, we must, in order to have fearful faith, fearful faith, we must know and remember who we are in Christ, not as a grasshopper. What does Scripture say? More than what? Conquerors. Not that we should just, you know, be arrogant about it, but we should know who lives within us and who has come. That is how we have fearless faith. So Joshua sent only two spies into the land of Canaan. This was a reflection maybe of his experience years ago. Only he and Caleb had returned with a positive report. The other ten were negative. And what happened? It infected the whole nation of Israel with attitudes of unbelief. Now, you're saying, I just don't know if that's me. Listen, don't let the enemy trick you into thinking that your fearfulness does not affect others. It's cancerous. You may say, well, I'm not in leadership. Doesn't matter. I'm not really a spy. Doesn't matter. If you are a child of God, redeemed, but yet retreat into fearful living, you're cancerous. I'm cancerous. We need to get to the point, especially in 2021, I need to have fearless faith. Trust God during frightening times. There seems to be really two basic reasons why Joshua sent the spies into the land of Taman. The first is militarily. Joshua issued the order, go view the land, especially Jericho. Israel's new leader, Joshua, wanted to know more about the land. It was smart. It was strategic. It was the thing to do. He, he wanted to know more about the Canaanites and about the battle plans that they should have for the children of Israel going into that land, crossing the Jordan. Joshua was taking no chances this time. He was highly selective. <laughs> I'm not sending 12. Dude, I'm, sending, I'm, I'm finding two, two that I know are fearless, and, and they, they're going to go and find out what I know is there. That's who I'm sending. Two would do. He would not be intimidated by the military's, by the enemy's strength like it was in numbers. The second reason, and I think the most important Joshua reason, Joshua sent spies into Canaan was providential. It's probably known only to God at this moment where we're reading. Listen, from a divine perspective, the reason was far more important than Joshua's military interest. Listen, another takeaway, time out just right here. Look for opportunities you don't even anticipate through each day. God in his divine sovereignty and perspective has us going places we might not even know. You may say, well, I, just, I need some groceries, so I'll go to the store. Be on the lookout for things in God's providence that he wants you to engage in. Don't be so busy to look at and, and miss opportunities that we can share about our fearless faith in the midst of everything. So this divine perspective, the reason was far more important than what Joshua thought was important, which it was. A woman and her whole family were waiting there 
to be delivered. Now, the author of the book of Joshua wasted no time focusing on the primary subject and what we see here in this chapter. So they left and came to the house of a woman, the Bible says, a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. Now, some commentators have tried to distance, really, Rahab from her occupation by saying the Hebrew word translated harlot or prostitute, zana, could be understood to be innkeeper. The Greek word porne, P-O-R-N-E, which we get pornography, used to describe Rahab, and this verse has no meaning, excuse me, this sounds catty, but it has no meaning other than whore. That's what it means, literally. God records Rahab's story. Now listen carefully. He records Rahab's story right here in front of us. Because he wants us to know he cares about every sinner, which includes, we've already laid that groundwork, which includes me, which includes you. He cares and loves every sinner, even a prostitute. God wants us to know that no person, regardless of his or her sin, is beyond his love, mercy, and grace. I'm pausing there to let you agree with it. So I'm going to read it again. And I'm just going to coach you a little bit. When we agree with things that a preacher says, that's, that's what we get, an amen after that, right, Terry? So I'm gonna, I'm, now I've coached you up. I'm going to read it again. But don't agree with it unless you agree with it. God wants us to know, Ridgecrest, that no person, regardless of his or her sin, is beyond his love, mercy, and grace. Amen. Very good. I'm sure this story was special to the Apostle Paul. Do you think Paul knew this story? Well, sure. I mean, he, he was very well read. He knew of this story. Can you imagine maybe this story is, was a catalyst to what he penned to Timothy in chapter 1 of 1 Timothy? Let me read that for you. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. But I received mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. You know what? That's so good. I'm just going to turn there. You can if you want to. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Now, because that just reminds me of something. Just forgive me. I'm, 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 I'm squirreling just a little bit, so just hang in there with me. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. I'll just read the first few verses. First of all, he's telling Timothy, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority. Okay, do I have to pause there to say how that applies to us today? Amen. Disagreement really exempts me from interceding on behalf of someone I disagree with. I'm not sure that's what Scripture teaches. For kings and all those in authority, Scripture says, we have to have petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings. 
made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority. Why? So that we may, uh, may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and, and dignity. Verse 3, this is good and it pleases God, our Savior. Here it is, verse 4. This is what I remembered. Who wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Now, that just reminds me, and this is from the Lord because I don't have this in my typed out notes. Uh, look at Matthew 28. 19. You'll recognize that as soon as I say it. You, you, you do know what Matthew 28, 19 is, right? Somebody say it. What's, what's Matthew 28, 19? Great Commission. All right. Let's read there in verse 19. There, go therefore make disciples of all nations. So who does the Lord want us to reach? Say it a little clearer. All. Everybody. All. Now, that just means going to all nations and just to select you in each nation. No, all, everyone. So I can't, I, I'm trying to emphasize the point during having, having faith in frightening times, fearless faith in frightening times has no parameters in who it should reach. It's everyone. I heard this said many years ago and I had it, I have it written down in my Bible and this is why I guess the Lord wanted me to turn here. Listen to this statement. God's desire is that all people know that Jesus Christ died for their sins of the world. There is no individual outside the sphere of his love and grace as in the inherent in the Great Commission. God's desire is that all people know. So now, let's get back on task here. Shortly after Joshua's spies entered Rahab's house, Men from Jericho also entered. And I found that interesting. So there in verse 2, the king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelite men have come here tonight to investigate the land. So the king already knew it. Now, how did the king know so much? I mean, he was aware that Joshua's men had entered Rahab's house. He knew they were together and had not split up. He knew they were the sons of Israel. He knew the exact time that night that they arrived, and he knew their purpose to search out the land. Now, today we have uh, spy satellites and, and video monitors and drones that, that give people detailed information, and that's frightening, is it not? Well, it happened then, too. And can you imagine that frightened Rahab? I mean, surely she knew that these two men were followed. It didn't catch her by surprise, and we'll, we'll talk about that in just a minute. The, you know, their own spies were watching every move the children of Israel made. They evidently knew when the spies left the camp on the other side of the Jordan. They must have seen them cross the river. They knew they were swimming it. They knew they entered the city of Jericho and went directly to Rahab's place of business. All this information was conveyed to the king of Jericho at regular intervals. When he learned the spies had entered the house... He immediately ordered their capture. It seemed that the spies, by all accounts, were doomed. I mean, they'd been followed. They saw them cross the river. They saw them enter the, the city. They saw them enter the house. They knew they were there. And the king says, get them. Go capture them. Done deal. Wrap it up, tie it in a bow, and let's get on with it. So it seemed like they were doomed. But fearless faith lived in Jericho in the most unexpected place. That's another takeaway. We can have that in our own lives. When the king's men arrived at Rahab's house 
to take the two spies into custody because they knew they were there, she had already hidden them on the roof underneath stalks of flax. As if she already knew that her home would be searched. Why, why this concern? Why this eagerness to protect the sons of Israel from Rahab? Why the willingness to take a chance on her own life should they be discovered? Why? All these questions in my mind and throughout everything that I read points to one answer. Rahab had changed her allegiance. You know, I just, I just I studied about flax. And it's just not something you gather just uh, willy-nilly and at the last moment and throw up on the roof. It takes work. And but one, one version of Scripture says, orderly, Tim. And she, she, she hid them in stalks that she had put there in order. Now, I don't know if, you, if you've looked at flax lately. Uh, I haven't. But it's, it's, it's stalks and about four to five feet tall. They had this kind of lavender purplish bloom on top, and they're tied kind of in the middle, and they, they, they flare out at the bottom. So you got to have, in order to hide two men, it's going to take more than one or two stalks of flax. So she'd been gathered in it quite a while. So she had changed what she was doing. She had been doing this, and we'll get into another example in just a few minutes. But So there was a lot up there on her roof, and she hid them. So, and now she's definitely lying. Well, Chuck, you know, she, lying's wrong. I agree. But this seems to be one of those situations where telling a falsehood is acceptable to God. Let me explain. This happened before, if you'll remember, when the Lord honored the Hebrew midwives in Egypt who lied to Pharaoh rather than killing the boys, which they were commanded to do, and they ordered them to do it, they let them live. And when the king asked these boys why they weren't killed, they reported that the Hebrew uh, mothers gave birth to their babies prematurely before they could arrive to help them. The facts were these women saved these boys because why? They feared God. And because of this godly fear, the Lord was good to the midwives. That's according to Exodus chapter 1, verse 20. Just so God was good to Rahab. Her willingness, listen, her willingness to protect God's people is one of the greatest acts of faith in the Bible. Anyone suspected of collaborating with the enemy or with the spies would certainly have been executed in the most barbaric of ways. You know, what would we think of her today if we read of her and, and, and she says, Whip, there they are. Listen, a faithless coward would have turned the spies over to the king. God considers what Rahab did an act of fearless faith. James, listen to what he tells us in chapter 2, verse 25. In the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works in receiving the messengers and sending them out by a different route? Now listen, this means her actions revealed her faith, not her works saved her. Don't be confused here. Don't make that mistake. Her actions revealed her faith. Listen, I have, I have just a few minutes. Let's look at Luke. Luke chapter 7, I think. Come Encourage me. I want to hear pages turning. Luke chapter 7. All right, Luke chapter 7, look at verse 37. This is talking about much forgiveness and much love. You there? Luke 7, 37. 
And a woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. Many commentators say it's the same kind of sinner that Rahab was. So she found out where Jesus was. And then she went and touched him. And they said, oh, what a beautiful thing. Is that what happened there? No. They said, I cannot believe it. She touched the Lord. Listen to what they said. This man, this is what the Pharisees said, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him. She's a sinner. Now, before we say, that's right, he didn't do anything like that. Pause. Be careful. When we see or encounter someone, even in our community, that may look a little different, they may sound a little different, and can I even go as far as they may smell a little different? They may not have some place that they go each night that's warm and dry. Be careful. Because this is what God spoke to my heart. So I'm just sharing what he spoke to me. Be careful that we're not so quick to say, what, be, hang on. We, we, we need to watch out. That person right there, we just, man, it's a sinner. Now, we don't say it that way. But we, we will, I will, make sure that we just kind of keep an eye, watch out. Listen, that is the attitude of a Pharisee. That is not the attitude of an all-loving God that says, I love that person. Show that person my love. We've already established, have we not? Everyone, all nations, no matter what sin, there is no one outside the sphere of God. You said amen to it, so you agreed. There's no one outside a sphere of God's love, grace, and mercy. Amen? Amen. So in this, look look what happens. I, the Lord had me go here for a reason. I, I knew it. So, verse 47 of chapter 7 of Luke. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those who were at the table began saying to him, who is this that forgives sins? And here's what the Lord said. This is what the Lord Jesus said to this woman. And he said to the woman, what has saved you? Look with me. What has saved her? Faith. Faith. I would say her fearless faith. So much so that she heard words. She said, I don't care what's happening. I've got to go and just touch him. Fearless faith had saved her. And he says, go in peace. Okay, now let's get back. Because we're still under under the first part. But listen, the next two is not going to take near as long. Promise. Okay, so why would the king's men suddenly believe that Rahab was telling the truth? I, ha, have you ever thought about it in this story? They, they, the spies knew all this information. They had all this intel, Mike, and it was, it was flawless. They knew all the details. I mean, the mission was on target to be accomplished. Their, their intel was impeccable. So now Rahab says, nah, they've already gone. I'm thinking, what happened? Were they just dumbstruck? I mean, what happened in this moment? i tell you what happened. From a d- divine perspective, this was a miracle. We, we tend to just read on past this and, and, and miss this miracle. How 
how else can we explain that the king is tightly controlled, great intel, the forces, all of a sudden, we're like the three stooges. You know, there's no way they're hiding that flax. Uh, There's no need to look. How else than God, Tim, how else than God intervenes? And why did he do that? Because of Rahab's fearless faith in frightening times. That's why she dared to believe that this God she had heard about 40 years ago, all the way across the desert, she dared to believe that he would protect her. And he did. He didn't let her down. It doesn't make any sense. They, they can see the flax probably. If they're walking along the road, it sticks up over the roof line. They didn't even dawn on them. You know what? That's probably where they're hiding. No, God intervened. Listen, folks, church family, brothers and sisters, those that are watching, that's what happens when we have fearless faith in a frightening times. God takes over. We stop trying to make things happen. We stop trying to dot every I and cross every T. It's God that comes in. We just said, Lord, have mercy. I'm going to be fearless. I'm going to trust you. I've known it 40 years ago. You can do it now, and he does. That is fearless faith during frightening times. Man, it's getting, I'm, I'm preaching now if you can't tell. That is, that's exciting news. Secondly, how, what, what do we do to have fearless faith? Here's the second one. Help others to faith in Christ. Help others to faith in Christ. Rahab's willingness to risk her life to protect the men of Israel is strong evidence that she had already changed the way she was living. That's what we read in verses 8 through 11 in Joshua chapter 2. That is her statement of faith. That is her theology. After the men of Jericho left to pursue Israel's spies, she came to the two spies on the roof. And note the certainty in which she spoke to these men. I know. She says, she doesn't say, you know what I'm figuring, I guess, could be. She says, I know that the Lord has given you this land. Gosh, Rahab had seen the fear in her own people, and she saw in her own life. And she saw it in other inhabitants of the land. She had heard about the miracles of God, the parting of the Red Sea and the great victories of the Amorites. But there was a great difference between Rahab and the other Canaanites. Listen, don't miss this. She acted on what she knew. Golly, Ridgecrest, those that are watching online, there is the challenge for us today. Listen, we know these things. And I'm, I'm not trying to be presumptuous, but I'm, I'm looking around and I recognize most everybody. I don't even have my glasses on, but I, I, can, I can figure out because of where you're sitting. I know most people in this room and I know where you are with the Lord. But what sometimes we fail to see in each other is the application of that knowledge. We come, we worship together, but what are we doing during the week, especially in the times that we're living in, to display a fearless faith? And here's what I'm getting to. Rahab's fellow Canaanites, who also had the same knowledge, did not acknowledge the God of heaven. They would not respond to the lot they had been given. Now, we've already seen Rahab's faith was initially tested. Now, here's the big test. In my opinion, this is where the God checked me out, okay? So I'm just sharing with you. This is, this, is, this is the temptation right here. 
So listen closely. Listen. If I had been Rahab, I really had to write this down and, and be honest with myself. If I'd been Rahab, not Chuck, but if I'd been Rahab at that moment, knowing that defeat and destruction were on its way, my first temptation would be to ask the spies, where are we going? In other words, I'll show you. Matter of fact, I'll walk with you to the hills. And none of this hiding stuff, let's go now. Because she already knew the truth, Tim. She knew what was coming. It's time to get out of Dodge, Jericho. And I, l- listen, I know where we can go. But rather than telling them where to hide, I'd wanted to show them the hill country. We'd all go and be safe. I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, she must have faced that temptation. This was her golden opportunity. Listen, she was living in sin. She was, if I say, addicted to that. She was trying to do her best to just live. But she heard about what had happened. She started a new occupation. She was gathering this flax. She changed occupations. And I think because of that is why she did not yield to those thoughts because she had already done something before that. She had overcome temptation because of what she was already doing. Don't miss that. That's worth me because I I need to hear that. She, She overcame temptation because what she was already doing in obedience Lord, I, that, that's not on my notes, Tim. I'll show you. So that's got to be from the Lord. Listen, don't miss that. I need to say it again so I can remember it. She overcame temptation because, she, because of what she was already doing in obedience. And here's what I think she was already doing. She was already sharing that news with her family. Here's what she said. Spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters with all who belong to them, she pleaded. Listen, fearless faith is always concerned about others. Can I say that again? Fearless faith is always concerned about others. It's not time to just kind of get everything and let's plan and then hunker down. Let's lock the doors. Let's make ourselves safe and let's shield ourselves. Fearless faith is thinking about others always. Not only was Rahab concerned about her family's welfare, but she apparently wanted them to become part of God's family. There is no such thing as fearless there's no such thing as selfless, selfish, fearless faith. The spies assure Rahab they'll treat her family kindly if she doesn't have second thoughts about what she's told them and betray them. Rahab ties them, tells them to hide in the hills for three days so they, they not, will not encounter their pursuers and you know the story, so they go on. And since her house is in, look, since her house is in the city wall, she lets down a rope through a window, and they get out. Now, time, we don't have Sunday school like this, so I got all the time in the world, except for 1050, so I don't know why I'm in a hurry. (laughs) I just got freed up. It may not be good news for y'all, but I'm surely liking it. So listen, she lets down this scarlet cord, this rope. And what I I found out in the last two weeks, Tim, preparing for this, is uh, this rope probably hung about 30 feet. And it was scarlet because she had boiled rocks in that and to dye this rope. And do y'all, do y'all know how, 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 uh, how linen was made, how clothes were made? From flax. Do you know how clothes got colored? From strands of a long dyed 
rope. It'd take about six to eight inches of that rope, and they'd put it in a pot when it's boiling these clothes. It would turn the color of that rope. And Tim, she'd been doing this long enough to have a 30-foot rope. That's, that'd take a long time, wouldn't it? She had all these stalks of fl- flax up on a roof. That took quite a while. Listen, she had heard about God and responded. Another takeaway. Do, is, do we hear about God at least once a week if you're a member of this church? Yeah. How about daily if you're involved in talking to him daily in your quiet time? Listen, when we hear of something or from God about doing something, here's what needs to happen. We respond. We just don't soak it in. We get squeezed out. And what we've heard affects others. It's that sponge being wrung out. We just don't keep soaking it in. We're just waiting for the Holy Spirit to wring it out some and let what's in us go out and help cleanse the world. Boy, that's a word picture. So she had heard, and now she is there helping others. It reminds me of Mark chapter 1, verse 17 through 18. Follow me, Jesus told them and I'll make you fish for people. Immediately, their response, they left their nets and followed him. Here's the question, Ridgecrest, and those that are watching online. What are you hearing God saying? Then secondly, how are you responding? Well, first and foremost, as we're really putting the cookies on the bottom shelf this morning, how can I have fearless faith? What do I need to do to develop it? One, Okay, trust him in frightening times. Two, help others, help others to faith in Christ. Follow me, he says. Listen, and I say this to myself before I said it to you, so I'm sharing it. If we are not trying to help our family, friends, and associates to faith in Christ, then we are not following Jesus. And we are not living in fearless faith. If we're not doing those things, if we're not trying, if we're not sharing, if we're not witnessing, if we're not doing those things to family, friends, and associates in the days that we're living in, then may I suggest to you, then we are not following Jesus and we're not living in fearless faith. So developing fearless faith requires trusting God during frightening times. We must help others to faith in Christ to be saved. And then thirdly, we must believe God will reward fearless faith. We must believe God will reward fearless faith. Since the spies do not know God's plans for taking the city, that's the two spies, they don't know God's plans for taking the city, they're anticipating really a house-to-house battle, would you not? I mean, you, you're being sent by your military commander. Hey, go scout it out, check it out, go into the city. And, uh, and you're thinking, okay, we're looking at each house. We can take that one. We need to be careful. There's an alley there and all those things, Mike, and other military people. You, you, you look at all the things that you're trying to do in recon and you figure out, okay, this is going to be a very detailed urban type of warfare. So they're looking at all these things and this is in their mind. So this, that's the only thing they're thinking about. So that's what they're anticipating. Therefore, they give her three conditions under which they will keep the agreement. First of all, she must identify her home with a scarlet cord. You know, the one they, 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 they escaped on? They said, hang it out. That way, mm, 
That way we know which one yours. And we want to get into it, uh, but I, I need to chase this rabbit just for a minute. You know, how many times, the, how many, when they went, went to Jericho, what, what did the Israelites do? Somebody tell me. Y'all, have, y'all heard the story, right, about Jericho? I mean, back in vacation Bible school, what happened? They, okay, they, they marched there seven times on the seventh day. But what did they do before, you know, before that? How many times did they march around? One time, right? Well, I, I don't know if you've ever seen any pictures of those cities. To me, the wall looks the same everywhere around. Okay, it just looks the same. So where do you start? Man, how about they start, you see, that, you see that scarlet cord? Let's start there. And we get back around and we see it again. We'll know we're in. That's where we'll stop. Let, have you ever thought about this? Not, that's not, I don't know if it's a commentary. It just came to me. Everything starts and stops with Christ. I mean, with the scarlet cord there, everything begins and ends with Jesus, Tim. Everything that's there. So whatever we're doing to endeavor fearless faith, we start with Jesus, we end with Jesus. When we're trying to conquer something, we start where Jesus is and we end where Jesus is. So they said, hang this scarlet cord out the window. And I just got excited again. It just came to me on those things. So y'all need to write these things down so you can tell me later of what I said, okay? I thought it was pretty funny too. All right, where was I? Oh, okay. So hang this scarlet cord, verses 17 to 18. Second, she must bring all her family into her home. Third, she must keep the mission of the spies a secret. Rahab agrees, ties the scarlet cord in a window. Listen, faith is more than just believing. It's doing. Listen to what the Lord says through James in chapter 2. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I'll show you faith by my works. You believe that God is one good. Even the demons believe they shudder. Here it is, verse 20 of James chapter 2. Senseless person, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works in offering Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was active together in his works. By his works, faith was made complete. And if you'll look on, I didn't put that, uh, that reference there, but I'm just going to turn to James and read for a little bit more. And uh, it'll, it'll, re- it'll emphasize what's going on here. James chapter 2, verse 25. And in the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by a different route? The spies hid in the hills for three days until the pursuers gave up. They crossed the Jordan and before everything back to Joshua. Now listen, here's where the reward starts. Rahab is later rewarded and her family spared when the city is conquered. By the way, can you imagine the spies when they heard the plan? Then we're going to march around it seven times on the seventh day, and then the walls are going to crumble. Can you imagine at least one of those spies, and I'll get to it in a minute. One of them said, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. We've made her a promise, and we said, our life are yours. And now you're saying the entire wall is going to trump? Her house is in the wall. Can you imagine that they were tempted to think that? So not only Rahab had the fearless faith, at least one spy, and I'll get to it, at least one spy is thinking, boy, I got to trust God on this one because we made her a promise and now Joshua's just told us. Did you hear what Joshua said? He just said the walls are going to crumble. 
Rahab and her family's in there. All right, let's, let's, uh, let's press on. Oh, I can't, I can't wait to tell you that surprise. You, you may know it already. So her, her entire family spared when the city's conquered. That's in chapter 6. So, however, the reward for her remarkable fearless faith doesn't end there. Rahab marries a believer named Solomon. Y'all heard that? Okay, Solomon. S-A-L-M-O-N, Solomon. Everything that I read in the past two weeks and looked at, without a doubt, every one of them thought they, he may have been one of the spies. So she married, quite possibly, one of those two spies. And that's the guy I was thinking his heart was in his throat because he was already smitten with her and fallen in love because he saw the fearless faith of Jehovah within her life. He's probably saying, no, 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 uh-uh. Bad plan, Joshua. We can, do, listen, house by house, I know it can happen. Walls going to crumble. So he had to have fearless faith that God was going to save the woman that God had for him, and this was why. They had a son named Boaz, Solomon, and Rahab did. He was the grandfather of Jesse. Jesse is the father of David, who, by the way, we've already said is the greatest king to ever sit on the throne of Israel. And he, written the, he wrote the most famous words that we ever know, Psalm 23. Rahab the prostitute is David's undisputed great-great-grandmother. And David's star to this day is on the flag of Israel. Moreover, hang on with me, almost done. Rahab's reward goes further. She has an even more famous ascendant. She, along with Salmon, Boaz, and Jesse, are found in whose genealogy? Jesus, Matthew chapter 1. This is the ultimate proof of how pleased God was with the fearless faith that the prostitute Rahab had. Psalm 103, 12. As far as is the east from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. We're almost done. You know, north and south meet at two places, right? North Pole, South Pole. You can only go for, so far south until you get to South Pole. And when you get to the South Pole proper, no matter which direction you step, what direction are you going? North, exactly, BJ. You're going north. Whatever step you take, you're going north then. Same is true for the North Pole. You get there, whatever step you take from that North Pole proper, you're then going south. However, east and west never meet. Well, I know there's things where east meets west, Istanbul and Turkey, no. East and west, west never meet. You can travel as far east as you want, and you will never meet west. If you are going east and you keep going east, you're always going east. If you go west and keep on going west, you're always going west. And it's beautiful. God did not remove our sins as far as north is from the south, but as far as east is from the west. Why? So we will never meet our sins again. Rahab's faith puts to shame most believers today including me, especially me. She never heard a preacher. She never, never read a single verse in the Bible. She never attended church. Yet, with the meager amount of information she had about God, she had a fearless faith. 
With without, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. The Lord's reward for Rahab and her fearless faith is mind-boggling. When we get to heaven, will we see and discover the Lord's reward for our fearless faith? Pray with me. Father, it is with that truth that we approach you at this moment. Father, thank you. Thank you for speaking to me in, in this moment. And to you who are listening, I, I almost want to apologize, but I'm not, because I believe that God spoke to me and taught me some things just in sharing these words that he gave me to share with you. So, Father, thank you, and we praise your name for that. So now, God, as, as, as you've taught me, and I know you've taught us in this room and online over and over, when we hear you, God, it's then that you wait for our response. I praise your name that you're patient. You're long-suffering. You're everlasting. You're full of grace and mercy and love. So, Father, with all that, I pray in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit that, Father, the words that we have heard, that we will respond in faith, in fearless faith, trusting you in frightening times, helping others to faith in Christ, believing you will reward in your due time. And we thank you for these things and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, look this way just for a moment. In this room and watching online, it is time always to respond to what the Lord has said, not to what Chuck has said. Even when I get excited and, as Junior Hill has said, clear off spot and pitch a fit. Uh, and I know those who have been in Sunday school with me a long time, I've, I've used that saying a lot, but that's, that's how I feel sometimes. I just, get, I just get excited. But it's beyond that. When the Lord speaks to our heart, it's for application. It's for response. So if you're here today and you say, you know what, I, I, I need to respond somehow, do that in one of several ways. Just right where you're sitting, just say, you know, Lord, I've been fearful. I, I've been living that way. God is always calling us to fearless faith. Amen? He's always calling us to fearless faith. What a great example he gives us in Rahab. And some may be here today and not have a church home. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just afraid. Today's the day. Find one of us. Bob is already out in the Welcome Center. I know Lance is. Go by there and say, you know what? I, I want to be part of this family. Or if you're watching online, just text the word JOIN, okay? Text the word JOIN to 334 384-8080. And I, you can do that here too. And I know that's kind of odd, isn't it? It seems less personal. But it's, it's, it's just as important to respond in that way. Respond somehow. And if you're here today and you do not know the Lord, so Chuck, I mean, all, what you were saying kind of got me excited too. Listen, you find me. I'll, I'll be out there right after the service. 
Uh, I don't have any, James is not here, so I'll, just give me a few minutes after I leave because I don't have, I won't be, you know, closing it out today and then I'll, meet, I'll just give me a few minutes to get out there and I'll meet you out there. If you don't know Christ today, find me. Find Bob and Lance. They're at the Welcome Center. Say, you know, I just need to talk to somebody about becoming a believer. And there's other people in here that, that can tell you. Walk up to them and say, do you know how to become a believer? And if you are, you better answer yes. And you take time to, amen? Y- y'all agree with that one? Okay. So if you're here, if you're online, would you text the word pastor? If you say, yeah, I just don't have a relationship with Christ. Thank you for admitting it. Text the word pastor, 334-384-8080, and we'll get in touch today with you on that. All right.